Today I want to speak on a very important subject, especially in the light of what's going on around the world right now. Uh, so much turmoil, treachery, divisiveness, hatred, you name it, it's happening all around the world today. And uh, there's something in the Word of God that I believe is the answer that most Christians need to have a good look at again in their own lives and, and churches, the leaders related to their church, their team, their leadership teams, teams that go out and minister, whatever the case may be, even family life, uh, marriages. And so uh, I want to start by saying this, that I, I believe that most every serious-minded Christian and uh, hopefully uh, every serious-minded leader in the body of Christ, Christian leader, all of us, we desire to be our best for God. We desire to be blessed by God, to be a blessing, as uh, was promised to, to Abraham and his descendants, and we are the descendants of Abraham in Christ, uh, that we will be a blessing and that all nations will be blessed by and, and through us. We want to be effective. We want to be fruitful. We want our lives to count. We want to be like Jesus. We want to represent him well. And we want to be able to one day just stand before him and offer him so much of what he enabled us and gave the, us the uh, privilege and opportunity to do for him. So um, most people are looking for, and church leaders included, are looking for strategies. They're looking for ways to become more effective. And sometimes we learn from other people and sometimes we imitate other people. I'm not, I don't advocate that, but uh, nonetheless, we're doing all sorts of things. And, but I think that most of us are missing one of the most important ingredients to being a, for us to be a blessing, to be blessed and to be effective and, and fruitful for God. And I want to speak about that this morning. There's a, there's a, there's a promise in the Word of God with a condition and the promise is about God commanding blessing, not just the promise of blessing, but God says, if you'll meet this condition, where this condition is met, I command blessing. That'll be in a home, that'll be in a, yeah, in a church, that'll be in a leadership team, translocal leadership teams, whatever the case may be. God says, I will command blessing. It's like when God created the world, he just spoke, he said, let there be and there was. Read Genesis chapter 1. That was a command. Let there be, and there was. And God says, that's what I'll do if you'll meet this condition. I will command blessing life forevermore. So with that in, in mind, and remember the, the command of that blessing is life forevermore. That means now, into the future, and forever. And so I just want to take my Bible and read to you Psalm 133. I hope you've got yours with you. And we'll read it together. It says that how good and how pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Now for us, that's the body of Christ, the church, the brethren. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. He says how good and how pleasant it is when brothers live together or dwell together in unity. Now that's pleasant to God, that's pleasant to us, and it'll become more pleasant uh, into the world, the nations of the world, and the situations that people are finding themselves in, and even pleasant, more pleasant in family life, etc. So, and then he goes on, he tells us what it's like. He said, it's like precious oil, and oil is a symbol of the, uh, the Holy Spirit, poured out on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes, 
It is like the dew of a mount of, of, of Hermon. As if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there, where there's unity and that flow down, coming down from above, where that's happening, for there the Lord commands or bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. The promise God commands blessing, life forevermore, everything that that means, that word life, forevermore, now, the future, forever, into eternity. So, here we have this amazing statement in Psalm 133, the third verse, and I, I want to say that that statement is, it is in line with the rest of what the Word of God says. It really is that, that the greatest sign or proof that we are, are Jesus' disciples is, is that, according to Jesus anyway, is that we have love one for another. Jesus said, by this shall men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. <clears throat> Unity is one of the strongest proofs or outcomes of genuine God love, agape. The 1 Corinthians 13 type love, the love that covers a multitude of sins, that kind of love. And great things are promised to the group that is united, that has that love, where that love is evident. Even with some failure, great, great, great things are promised to all of us. Families, churches, leadership teams, whatever the case may be. You see, we are our most free when we're united. As a family, as a church, leadership teams, whatever. We're the most free when we're united. Not only that, we're the most like Jesus when we're united. Because he was able to say, I want them to be like us, Father. You and I, we're one. I want them to be one. He said that so many times in John 17. He prayed for it. It's, his, it's God's desire. It's God's will. And not only that, not only are we the most free, and not only we're the most like, the most like Jesus when, we, when we're united, but we're the most effective we can be when we're united. That's the promise of God. And so Satan is aware of that and he's going to do everything in his power to keep us divided. It doesn't have to be much division, even little divisions. And that's going to keep us from stop experiencing the commanded blessing. So he knows that. Well, he would like it to be chaotic division, but even just bits and pieces here and there are enough to... to be a tool in his hand that he will use. Jesus actually said, any kingdom divided by itself uh, will be ruined. It cannot stand. A house divided by, against itself will fall. So that's Jesus. He, I mean, he said that. That's, that's a clear teaching. But there's a beautiful thing here that in 2 Corinthians chapter, 11, uh, chapter 2, verse 11, we're promised that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices and, and that Satan might not outwit us we're not unaware or ignorant of his devices or his schemes. And so unity is so, so, so important. Now, I just want to touch quickly what unity isn't. Just a couple of little things. It's much, it's a lot less, a lot more things I could say. But it isn't uniformity where every one of us is doing exactly the same thing. We agree with each other on every single thing. We're different. We have different temperaments, personalities, makeup, giftings and callings. But... It's, it's, so it's not being uniformity, and it isn't also just being pleasant, uh, politically correct, smiling at each other, 
um, being together, singing songs together like we do. We think we're united when we look at each other and we wave and we love and we say, bless you, brother, bless you, sister, whatever. It, that's not unity. Unity isn't even when, when and Christ gave us this promise, so we're two or three, uh, if two or three shall, shall agree on any, as anything touching here, my, here on earth, uh, my, my Father in heaven will do it for us. It, it's not like I say, Father, bless my family, and my wife says, Amen, and that's unity. That's agreement. That's not it. It's in the heart here. Unity is a heart thing. So what does unity look like? Well, it's not just tolerating one another, putting up with one another with false smiles, etc., etc. It's not even a, a church leader being able to, or a father in a home, being able to get everybody to do everything he wants the way he wants it. Because we're all different. But unity, what it is, well, first of all, as I said, it's a heart thing. It starts here. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. And that's where God really commanded blessing. And as a result, coming out of all of that, people were being saved daily. Acts 2 tells us, Acts 4, and right throughout the Bible, not only being added, but then they were multiplied. It just uh, with, with this unity, oneness of heart, there's just that incredible power and unity. Because you see, unity, the heart thing, focuses on the essentials of our faith. Like, who and what God really is. What's He like? Who He is? We're united on that. We need, we, we need to be like fulfilling the Great Commission to go into all the, the, the nations and, and make disciples of them all, the whole world. Uh, unity is seeing people mature and become more and more like Jesus. These are the, these are the essentials that we need to be united on. It's also seeing his kingdom established in the hearts and minds and the lives of people in cities and countries eventually, the nations of the world, like seeing truth and justice being implemented in a real, a real way where that brings dignity to society. And so unity, if it's genuine, refuses to be sidetracked. Sidetracked by, and I'll put a few little things here, petty issues, little things that get people down, in church life, family life, whatever the case, even with a wife or, her, or with a leader, a leader towards a leader, a leader towards his people, his people towards the leaders, petty issues. And, and it, or it, it doesn't get sidetracked by petty issues. It doesn't get sidetracked by fads, the passing fads that come and go throughout the church. I've seen them over the last 52 odd years, just come and go and come and go. And I see people hiving off after this fad and that fad and this fad. And then it repeats itself a few years later and off go another group of people causing chaos and division. It, it, it doesn't get sidetracked even by personal pride. Pride in myself, pride in my leader, pride in whatever. It doesn't get sidetracked by insecurities. And so many of us in the body of Christ, uh, where it says in, in the book of Acts that there were no needy people amongst them, it's amazing to me just how needy the body of Christ is, and especially in leadership. <clears throat> the need to be known, the need to be you know, recognized, to be applauded, uh, whatever the, you know, as lots of people you say, to be celebrated. We don't get sidetracked by those things. We don't get sidetracked by selfish ambition for fame and for finances or whatever the case may be. Real unity refuses to get sidetracked by those things. You see, it, 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 unity it comes about by being in agreement about the important things, like similar vision, similar values, those kind of things. 
but not identical, just similar. You can have a look for yourself in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, in Acts chapter 4 verse 32, Acts chapter 5 verse 12, where the believers were all of one heart. They gathered together in one place with one, one, one heart, one mind, and it's there that God, God commanded blessing, the outpouring of the Spirit of God. Souls being added daily, churches growing, multiplied. It's unity. So it requires putting God first. Not ourselves, but God's first. And then others in front of ourselves. And you look at that, if you look that up, and I'm hoping you do, I keep saying this, if you're serious about God and His teaching, then read the scriptures that I share with you in Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through to 7. Go and read them for yourself, putting others before yourself. It's about faith being produced in us and then just ongoingly, increasingly, fellowship refusing, realizing... Uh, the diversity within the body of Christ, that anything that causes schism we, we, in a local congregation, it, it, we deal with immediately. It's unity of the Spirit as we come to the unity of the faith, as, as, as Ephesians chapter 4 tells us. In actual fact, it says we are to maintain or keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of love, until we reach the unity of the faith, we'll never all agree on every little side issue of the faith. There's so many side issues, how Jesus will come back, pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib. Those are the, while the second coming is important, some of the smaller issues that say how all of that will happen, we'll never all agree. I don't know if we'll ever do that this side of heaven. But the main things, we keep them. And we will not be, we maintain, we keep the unity that the Spirit has already given us. It's there for us. All we've got to do is receive it and respond to it. And God says, as we maintain that, we'll move towards the unity of the faith. But that's where I can command blessing. So, unity. Division causes weakness. It causes instability. It causes collapse. It brings about powerlessness. Sickness, a whole, a whole host of other problems, unnecessary problems. And once again, if I can just say what Jesus said, a kingdom that is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. It's a house divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And so division is a major weapon in the hands of Satan. That's what I'm trying to say, tell you. It isn't just coincidental. And so I'm, I'm hoping you'll see today that unity is absolutely essential. It's not just if you want it, it may be good. It's absolutely essential for, for us to open the way for God to bring blessing, command it over our families, over our own lives, over our churches, over our nation, all that we're involved in. Romans 14, 19 actually says, I'm just talking about unity is essential, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Romans 15, 5, 6 and 7 says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Jesus Christ, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says this, Accept one another, then just as Christ accepted you, warts and all, 
Christ didn't accept us when we were perfect, when we were all doing everything he wanted. Just as Christ accepted us, accept one another in order to bring praise to God. So Romans 12, 16 says, live in harmony with God. And I've got 1 Corinthians 1, 10, 2 Corinthians 13, 11, Ephesians 4, 3, Philippians 2, 1 and 11, 2, 11, Philippians 1, 27, Philippians 4, 2, Colossians 2, 2, 1 Peter 3, 8. These are some of the scriptures I hope you will look up for. Look up for yourself. And remember, Jesus prayed, Father, that they would be one, even as we one. So, unity. There's so much that I'd like to say that I'm just skipping over pages here now. Unity brings tremendous blessing. So I'm going to reach now, having said all that, Psalm 133, it says this, How good and how pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. Again, it's like precious ointment. Precious oil, oil, a spirit, of, symbol of the Holy Spirit, anointing, authority. It's like precious oil poured on it. It flows down. It's so important. Leaders, remember that. While you're not above, you are over the people of God. We're to take care of those that God has placed us over. And that's like an umbrella. And unity flows from the leadership down into the people. Onward and outward. Unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard. Beard speaks about maturity. Running down on Aaron's beard. Down on the collar of his robes. Priesthood. Priestly. As if It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. And that speaks about energy. Uh, refreshing. Energizing. Uh, and then it goes on and says, For there the Lord commands the blessing, life forevermore. And that is fruitfulness, fertility, everything that God wants for us. So, I'd like to have, wish I could have covered what causes division. Maybe we can in the second se session, just a little bit. I'll, I'll, I'll try, uh, try and touch there. But But unity. Let's have a look at some, some of the things about, about, about unity now quickly. He says in Psalm 133, verse 1, Brethren, that's the church, the family of God, us. What is the church? Some say, well, we're two or three together, together in, the, in my name. There am I in the midst. That's the church. That's not. A church has to have a leadership, has to have stability, has to have a vision has to incorporate God's people. Others say church is a building. Others say uh, a Sunday meeting. For them, that's church. Some now online. But what, did, what does the Bible teach? Well, first of all, the Bible teaches that a church is a group of believers. And they have certain things in common. One, they're truly born again. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. They have repented of all known sin. They're living in obedience to the grace and call of God, in the grace and the call of God, as you read for yourself in 1 John chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. The church is where people love each other and are willing to work out their, their differences. Have a look at 1 John 2, 9 and 11, 1 John 4, verse 7, 13, 16, verses 19 to 21. It's that the church is a people who are responding to, cooperating with God. That's 
the church that Jesus is building. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So you've got to say to yourself, is the church that you're part of, that you say Jesus is building with you, that he's called you to help you to build, whether you're in leadership or just one of the people in the church, we're all there called to build the church. Is that church a church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against? Or is this just the smallest little problem and we're all thrown into turmoil? Face the fact. Face it reality today. Be honest with yourself. Your family. You say, well, my family all say they're, they're Christian. What, how easy are you disturbed, thrown out? The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, having another quick look at Psalm 133. The Holy Spirit says this, how that living together in unity is good and pleasant. It's good to God and it's pleasant to God. It's good to us and it's pleasant to us. And eventually it will become good to the world and pleasant to the world when they really see it for what it really is. Secondly, it doesn't only bring unity, but it brings authority when brothers dwell together in unity or live together in unity. There it says it's like oil poured out on it. Oil, a type of the Holy Spirit. The anointing, which I said earlier, gives us authority. Remember in Luke chapter 10, verse 21, it says, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, and Matthew 12, 28, it says, It is God who gives, us, gives me authority or power to cast out demons. Jesus speaking. So the joy of the Lord, the presence of the Lord, the uh, oil being poured out brings us joy. And Nehemiah tells us in the 8th chapter, verse 10, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It means that God is present. When, when we dwell together, God is there. That's his anointing. That's, you know, there's such, a, we, we talk about the anointing coming down and we want the glory and we want, but you know, there's such an, a presence of God in amongst the people of God when they're dwelling in unity, just church presence, the presence of God in each believer. It is phenomenally powerful. That's why Jesus was really able to say, if two or three are gathered together and I'm at I'm there. Christ in me, Christ in my wife Anne, Christ in my son Tyron or whatever. Together, there's such a presence and power of God, such authority. And then it goes on to say, running down on Aaron's beard. And that does speak about maturity. Children don't, don't shave. As you mature, you start to shave. And as you mature, the beard gets thicker. And then it begins to go gray. And gray hair really is a sign of maturity. And uh, anyway, we... And then it goes on and says it's like the dew falling from Mount Hermon. And the dew falling energizes. It brings energy into the life of the church, vitality, and it invigorates, it refreshes. I don't know if you can just, just think about it, those diamond-looking, glistening, sparkling dewdrops on the grass in the morning when dew has come down. It, it brings amazing refreshing, even just the sight of it, never mind the feel of it and being there. And that's what true biblical unity brings. It refreshes us. And that's what God wants to do. He says, I'll command my blessing if you'll just come into unity. And then it brings stability. It's like the dew falling 
from Mount Hermon onto Mount Zion. And Mount Zion speaks about stability. Why? Because when there's unity, the kingdom is there. We have an unshakable kingdom. That's what the book of Hebrews tells us. I think it's uh, Hebrews 12, 28. We have an unshakable kingdom. And when we're in unity, it, it brings such stability. That's why God wants uh, his kingdom established in our midst, his authority, his rule, his reign. And that's where blessing is commanded. Like when he said, let there be light. And there was light. Let there be. And there was command. Not just promise, command. So we move on and it says 6.3 that it also brings fertility, life forevermore. Now from that uh, dew falling and the oil pouring, it makes it fertile. Life forevermore. That's where God, all of his life, everything that's contained in the life of Christ, purchased for us, promised to us by Jesus for how much more Father saying how much more shall your Heavenly Father give good gifts give the Holy Spirit that's the, what it does so let me go back and just say this to bring this session to a close it flows down it starts unity has to start with leadership leaders in the home leadership in the church Leadership in Transcycle team, leadership in an eldership team, leadership within the deacon team, outreach team, whatever it is, there has to be unity. Starts with leaders. So leaders, I'm asking you in Jesus' name, face up to it. Is there real, honest, honest unity in your family, husband and wife, leadership team? Elders, leadership team, elders with deacons, leadership team, translocal team, leadership. Or how united are we? It's vain to run after God's blessing. Listen to me. It is vain to run after God's blessing if we fail to meet God's condition. Dwelling together in unity. I want to talk a little bit more about how that can happen, what that means in the second session. Right now, I just want to pray, Father, every person who's listening to what I've said now, oh, Father, in Jesus' name, help us to face the real situation of the reality of what's happening in our family, in our church, in our team, and to come to that place where we lay down, put aside all the distractions, all the things that try to crowd in on us and we don't even sometimes realize it's the devil using this weapon of division to stop you from doing what you want to do in and through our lives. You have said the plans I have for you are plans for good that you've promised that to give us hope in a future not to harm us and the devil's doing everything to stop it. I ask you in Jesus name Father hear me now Help us to put aside these things, to repent, trust you, lay hold of you for help. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks. Amen.